What's up, guys? Josh here from the Rising Action Podcast. In this episode, Grayson is back on the mic, and we will be talking about one of the greatest franchises of all time. The books have sold more than 500 million copies, and the movies have made hundreds of millions of dollars. If you haven't figured out what we're talking about, listen to the intro and prepare your ears. I won't spoil the surprise, so I'm just going to shut up and get into it with Grayson. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rising Action Podcast. It pleases me greatly to say that because it feels like it's been 18 years since I've been on episode. It's only been two, but it feels like 18 years. Uh, I am Grayson, one of your hosts. Alongside me is the uh, the heart and soul of Rising Action, Mr. Josh Johnson. <laughs> Hello, my friend. How you doing, buddy? I'm thriving. You've just had a cup of coffee. I have just had a beer. So I'm tired. You're stoked. Let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to the entity. The What was that? The albatross, as you called it. I did not know mm-hmm. what that was. I said, oh, that's a cool Transformer. Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Transformers, though. We're talking about... Harry Potter, you already clicked on it, and you know the title, so, I mean, why should I even say it? Because reasons. Um, we're going to talk about the very com- like the complexities of the, the beast that is the Harry Potter franchise and all of its, uh, what is it, nuances and grandiose scope. Everything from the large stuff to the small stuff. At least we're going to try to within an hour and 15-ish minutes. Um, but before we do that, Josh, uh, what do you got to say for us in terms of housekeeping before we jump into it? Yeah, so uh, one thing that would be really great, and Grayson and I would love you forever, is if you would leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think Overcast does it as well. I know some people listen to us over there. Uh, do that. That'd be great. Be um, I love... I love reading them. I'll, I'll shout you out on Twitter if you want that. If you want a hug. I mean, maybe I can't do that because of our present situation. But, you know, a nice, yeah. cool high five would be in order. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore. We post pretty frequently over there. Um, Grayson is probably going to get back on Instagram maybe before the calendar year flips over. Uh, so. so full disclosure, I did a f- small photo shoot with my friend. We're waiting for those pictures to get developed. I also have a couple other pictures to post as well. So trying to within the next two weeks whenever I get those pictures, and then I'll be back in so all full my disclosure, fashion. I've been sending you memes for the last three months knowing you won't respond to them. So I'm going <laughs> to just have this massive So you're gonna have you're going to have a DM dump. Of memes. I, I'm genuinely curious, like because I didn't make it very well known. I didn't want to be like, ah, shout to the heavens. I am leaving Instagram. Please cry for me. Uh, I was just kind of like, peace out, homies. And then like, it's been literally three months since like I have been on Instagram. I'm not going to lie. I've been very therapeutic. I'm not going to be on it much. But when people send me memes and stuff, I'll, I'll check it out. So yeah. I'll keep sending you memes. Yeah, you will. Where can I follow you? Uh... I guess not on Instagram, because that's not going to do anybody any good. Well, I mean, you can, because I'm coming back. Please. 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, you, can, you can see all those cool, all those pictures. That would be at Strades Three Eight on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox. You can. I'm most active on Twitter, but every once in a blue moon, I make a movie review on Letterbox, or one day we'll post something on Instagram. And I'll do. I do this thing, and I'm excited to get back into it because I've discovered a lot of new music in the past three months. Uh, mm. I do these Spider-Man pictures, and I'm trying to get back into that. But you know, we'll see what happens. Where can they find you, Josh? So I'm at Josh Johnson 98 with two N's on Instagram. I am active on Instagram, so mm-hmm. if you DM me, I might respond. Um, you can follow Maybe. me at Josh underscore J 98 on Twitter and Letterboxd. I'm decently active on both. And uh, we'll get into what I've been watching and posting on Letterboxd here in a little bit. But... That's about it for all the housekeeping stuff. Yeah. We can get all that garbo out the way, and now we can get into what you're really listening to this episode for. Some Harry Potter goodness. Good old HP himself. HP Lovecraft. No, just kidding. Harry Potter Lovecraft. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, that's a different episode. Not um, at all. Man, we, we already spit out some stuff before this episode, like trying to do some research for Harry Potter, but we were like... It's just, where to even start? I guess let's start from the beginning, right? And I'm going to yeah. say this from like from what I know best from my memory. I am I would say I'm probably a much bigger Harry Potter fan than Josh is. I don't, but you would, I mean, but you Agreed. like you like it, but. I don't hate it. Okay. I like the books better than the movies. Let's okay. put it that way. Okay. I thought you said you didn't read the books. I read the, the Harry Potter series, all those books. I just haven't read like the extra ones oh okay well to be completely fair let's say so harry potter has become a very big franchise clearly if you don't know what harry potter is you're pretty much just not in society yeah um so i i thought you were saying that you hadn't read the books i've only i've read the main series and i've read some stuff on pottermore that she's that jk rowling has put in post but i'll get into that in a second because there's some interesting tidbits and controversy surrounding that whole thing especially within the writing world not even just the Mm -hmm. harry potter world but um harry potter started off as this ya series that came out in 1997 harry potter and the philosopher's stone that i think Probably, I just honestly, it just got lucky. I don't know how it blew up or why it blew up, but it was just like, hey, it's this kid. He goes to a wizard school, and it was yeah. like in 1997. Like I remember she, what what I heard is that she was working in a cafe at the time, and she wrote like she had already been planning out, and she wrote like the first chapter like on a napkin or something, and mm-hmm. like or like the you like the back the, of the, a receipt or a napkin, yeah, or something like something that. like that, and then she like kind of simmered on it and eventually she just kind of wrote the whole thing mm-hmm. uh and she had been like planning out this whole world for like a long like she art like she, what she did which is a really cool thing is she she established the rules of the world before she started writing it so she could basically allow herself to like be backed into corners and not go crazy which is something that i think other things could learn from because it's like if you don't have the rules established then your plot can suffer and it can it can be very deus ex machina or um just seemed a lot, like very convenient in a lot of its things and so it forces yeah. a writer uh and a storyteller to kind of find creative ways to get out of that without it being like here's a brand new thing that you had no idea about so that was right. a, that was like a really profound thing about Harry Potter. 
So this book came out, and it just it just exploded. Like, Josh, I want you to give the details on <clears throat> like how not maybe not this this single book in particular, yeah, uh, but the entirety of the sales for the Harry Potter series. Yeah, so <clears throat> I want to kind of frame what the average YA fantasy author should expect their books to sell like before we really get into how Harry Potter did. Because everybody knows Harry Potter is extremely popular and it sold a bunch of books. Yeah. But, you know, the average author, I think, in doing research for my own writing and, and things like that, I think at, at least in 2020, the average author should expect like an advance of $10,000-ish um, if... <clears throat> If it's like a, a pretty major publisher imprint, mm-hmm. and uh, you should expect a run anywhere from like two hundred fifty to a thousand books for like your first initial printing run of is there like novel. a is there like a specific example you can think of within like the past couple of years that like maybe would line up with that roughly I guess. Um, I want to say. So one book that I read recently that I talked about on uh, Worlds We've Been Exploring was Kings of the Wild by mm-hmm. Ni- Nicholas Ames. And that was his first published novel. And I want to say it was a typical thing. I think he got an advance between ten and $15,000. Mm-hmm. And I want to say his first initial run was like 500 books. And he's sold more than that Yeah, now. He's outsold his advance, which... Is the next part of it is if you outsell that initial run of copies, you get paid royalties based on how much more you sell. So right. that ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars, whatever, it's what the publisher expects to sell, and then um, you outsell that, you start making royalties, and that's where you make a ton of money as you outsell your advance. Mm-hmm. So all of that is essentially to frame how Harry Potter sold yeah and so harry potter got an initial uh run of 500 books from only 500 books yeah the initial publishing run was 500 books and it was who published it i don't remember anyways it got an initial run of 500 books and the first book the philosopher's stone ended up selling 120 million copies all time like that's like now it at this point in time it has sold 120 million copies at this point in time harry potter and the philosopher's stone has sold 120 million copies to put that in perspective a song of ice and fire the whole series which is game of thrones through a dance with dragons when did that uh, when did that book series start that one also started in 1998 it's that old 98 yeah okay um that series has sold in total the whole series 90 million copies so just the first harry potter book has outsold all of the series of game of thrones and harry potter harry potter has as a series has sold 500 million copies which is just ludicrous like that is so far and away the most for a pop culture series like that's just absurd that i, I just want to know like why like why it blew up so fast or maybe how like 
What I resonated with I, people so much to be like this, but like, like if you, we'll go ahead and get into it. Like at least to go ahead and say that, like within four years, there was a movie already made about I, and and a good one at that. Like yeah. not like one that sucked. Like it was. There's, there's elements here with, um, like Harry Potter. That whole series is fantastic books. Like mm-hmm. it should not be lost on people that this is just kind of like a weird fluky like just a pop culture thing that popped off and just kind of blew up there the writing is really good oh yeah the world building is really good there's a reason it sold so many copies but even still like it is a little bit fluky that it sold as many copies as it did like you even see the um the fantastic beasts books are not selling at that rate well to, to be fair the fantastic beasts books are not books they're screenplays and they didn't come out until they the screenplays didn't come out until after the movies had come out. Mm, so okay. basically, what they did is they just made a screenplay adaptation of the movie because J.K. Rowling made the scripts for helped write the scripts with other people. She did not okay. fully write the you. Fantastic Beasts uh, screenplays, which is why currently there is a very high demand for her for the people to be like, just write more books. Like yeah. Like don't. Well, she wrote she wrote the cursed child, which has generally no, she been didn't. received. She didn't write that. Nope. Who and wrote that, it? Because it's got her name on it. It has her name on it, but she was not the sole writer of that, and that's why the cursed child is, pardon my French, ass. <laughs> <laughs> Harry okay. Potter and the Cursed Child, which was also a screenplay. It was it was a well, sorry, like a some stage play or whatever. It was written by Jack Thorne, script and story. J.K. Rowling is tied to it a little bit with the story. And then John Tiffany. All right. Yes. So essentially she just needs to write more original Harry Potter. I'm not going to be on. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I completely forgot about The Cursed Child until you brought it up at this very moment. I only know about it because I've seen negative reviews about it on YouTube and all of like everybody who reads it and then is like offers their opinion on it they're all like this is hot trash. Yeah. So basically just just I'll I'll kind of give my introductory to like how I got into Harry Potter. Uh um so I have read all the books and I've seen all the movies. That is to say I grew up with Harry Potter. However, I didn't finish reading the books until a little less than a year ago. I want to say I finished reading all the like the death or I finished reading the Deathly Hallows like September, maybe October. That was when I, mm. I when I closed the page. I remember it was like three a.m. and I was like, I did it. I finished it. Um, but I remember I grew up with the Harry Potter movies, and they were kind of coming out at the same. The books were coming out at the same time, and I started reading the first book. And I remember like I almost finished it, but I was still like, like I was still a pretty young kid because mm. the first Harry Potter movie came out in two thousand one, November of two thousand one, okay. and I probably saw it when I was like. I don't know. Probably a year or two after that, um, and and I grew up with the Harry Potter movies. I saw. I, I want to say I saw every single one in theaters, uh, at least from Prisoner of Azkaban and beyond. Yep. Um, so that was very much like a part of my my childhood, and then I was like, my friend kind of convinced me um, to start to to read the books, and I was like, screw it, I'm going to do it. So at like 2016, I started reading the books. And mid-2017, I finished Goblet of Fire, 
And then I started my first year of college and I got really busy. And then I finally, mm-hmm. like I, I picked it back up a little over a year ago and I read the last three books, which are the longest books of that entire series within two months, something like that. Like I freaking chugged through them. Um, Did you experience any of the taboo from like your parents or older individuals in your life that were like, Ooh, don't read that. It's about witchcraft. Okay. So here's because the thing. I totally grew up with that. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is great. And they were like, you're inviting the devil into our household. So stop. Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Full disclosure. <laughs> people ridiculous. don't know me and Josh were, well, you were homeschooled your entire everything uh, school. Okay. Cool. <laughs> everything. So he, he was homeschooled from his Genesis, which, uh, which, okay. That's, you know, yep. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, I was homeschooled in high school, but I, I was in public school for nine years of my life. Technically 10, if you count preschool, um, see how we had to stick together. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey man, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a homeschool life is a, is a strange life. And I will say homes like, it's just people are very intense in that culture. And I will say yes. that growing up in church, I remember I was like, I would tell kids about Harry Potter and they were like, I'm not allowed to watch that. I'm not allowed to see that. Right. Like, and I was like, right. why not? And they're like, it's witches and wizards. And I, and I remember I asked my <laughs> yes. mom and my mom was like, well, a lot of people think because it's witches and wizards, it's satanic and stuff or not satanic, but you know, like it's, it's right. like against the Bible. It's against God. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> that was like <laughs> year or sophomore year of high school, and uh, I devoured them. Like I was done in a month with all of them. So all of them. Yeah, I just tore them up. Um. So you know, I don't. I don't know. Like I read a ton. Maybe it was because I was homeschooled. <laughs> but like I read a ton. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I read so much when I was younger, and so I absolutely tore them up. And I remember, you know, I'd get those side looks from my mom, like, "I don't, I don't approve, but, but, okay, you know." Yeah. <laughs> and I'd always be like, "Mom, these are great." She'd be like, "Stop it! Don't say that." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I was like, okay." Whatever. It's it's very interesting to me. I'll just say this before we get back into kind of the more core of that episode and the topic that like that entire culture like they will literally put lord of the rings on a freaking pedestal and be like oh it's so christian it's so and i'm like and be like monster energy drinks literally have satan's symbol on them yeah and then it's like okay well harry potter like you can you can draw biblical links to almost anything yeah um i'm like and and yes J.R.R. tolkien was a christian but it's like Oh, he's like, a Catholic. Uh, Got to get it right. Is Catholic not a is not a form it of Christianity? It is, but you oh. know, there's the whole the history of Catholicism True. and Protestantism. So, okay, fair Us. enough. Anyway, um, that's all to say that like I'm like messed up stuff happens in Lord of the Rings too that you right. could consider a satanic. I'm like I don't like I don't care. Like literally, Sauron is. Actually, Morgoth is technically Satan, but... But it's an allegory, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, Harry Potter, Voldemort can't be Satan? No, it's just all, they're all bad. They're all bad. Dumbledore can't be Jesus? Nope. Nope. Like, 
a lot of people thought he was gay. gay. Right. Well, yeah. (laughs) Which that was, which was written completely after the fact and has nothing to do with that. And even gay people didn't like that. So anyway, we're jumping the gun. There's a lot of, like, this is what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff to Harry Potter. Yeah. So Um, I kind of want to get into just like the, the content of the series, because I think there's a lot here that's really well done. And I kind of want to touch on that before we really get into just like the whole rabbit hole that is Harry Potter and the fandom and all this crazy stuff. But one thing that, well, a couple things that JK Rowling did really, really well was like you were talking about with the world. She built a super polarizing world, which is part of why I think they sold so much and they were so digestible Mm -hmm. and easy to read was it took aspects of the real world and made it totally fantasy. Like, you know, the whole train that's, um, on a, uh, it's like there, but it's not there. And it's just like the mirror. I guess that's a good way to describe it. Like a, it's a mirror between the fantasy world, the world of, uh, which, Oh yeah. How it, how it places itself, this entire fantasy world within the real world. Right. And how they call real people muggles and like all this, you know, like it just, it worked really well and it was digestible and it was perfect. I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. perfect for YA. Like, I mean, that is textbook for the time that it came out and it there's so many ya things that copy that exact same thing i don't know was harry potter the first to do that i don't maybe not Uh, probably not i mean technically well technically narnia was was the first to do that because it's literally set within like world war ii yeah and then they go into it so that's i but that's the thing is like you know Things copy one another and whatnot, but yeah. Harry Potter, that was a big thing. It's like, hey, it's this boy who lives, he's like, and a lot of people can relate to him. He's he's a very Peter Parker type character. I was about to like, say, oh, he's a lot he, like Spider-Man. He, he's like, he's just nerdy, yep. like dark haired kid who wears like, he's poor. He's like, lives this crappy life. Yep. And then he's, you know, gifted with these amazing abilities and like, there's this whole world, that, like another thing, the hero's journey, which we talked about on the, one of our episodes a while back, which people should totally check out. But, um, but let's just so she made Hogwarts, mm-hmm. which is perhaps one Sick. of the coolest places in fantasy literature maybe ever created. Um, yeah, like there's so much depth to Hogwarts and so much mystery, which you find as you get further into the books. Like there's rooms and places in Hogwarts that people at Hogwarts, aside from maybe Dumbledore, don't even know exist, which is really cool. Because it's like this ancient school that's been being used for, like, you know, decades and centuries. Right. And it's like, it's this, like, it's like weirdly like a dungeon. Like this, like, dungeon that's like, that also has other dungeons. And, I mean, like, I think you, you start to see that within... I know even the very first book, it's you know they they go through all these gauntlet like these challenge rooms that mm-hmm. are like that that the professors made to protect the stone. Yep. And then the second one, it's like the Chamber of Secrets. Is that even real? And it is. Um, and it was created by like the the racist one of Hogwarts, <laughs> Salazar Slytherin. Yeah. And then like Prisoner of Azkaban is like. You know, there's this whole, like, this house under the tree that's, like, you know, under the Whomping Willow. And you're like, what? Like, all it's just, it has this deep history and, it, like, this incredibly um, 
what is the the word I'm trying to think of? Basically, incredibly detailed world. Yeah, and she made it real and digestible. Like, <clears throat> there's sports, you know? Like, it's... Um, they act like high school kids, you know? Like, middle school, yeah. high school kids. Like, all these characters act like what you would expect a middle school, high school kid to act like. Like, they want to get points for their house. Like, that's their main goal. Their main mm-hmm. goal is not to save the world from Voldemort. In fact, for much of the series, it's Harry Potter kind of like flipping back and forth. Like, do I even really want to do this? Yeah. And he kind of almost gets forced into it by other people. And then he just kind of assumes the mantle later. But for five books, it's like Harry Potter is like going through school. And that's like, and then like Voldemort is kind of his side objective until people mm-hmm. finally start taking it seriously. Yep. And even then it's like the very last one, like. Kids are still going to Hogwarts. Yeah. Even when it's like the reign of like dark wizards and stuff. Like people don't want to think it's real. And it's like, I remember I'm reading this and I'm like, man, there's a lot of real life aspects within Mm -hmm. the Harry Potter. Like it's not just like, let's all go kill Voldemort. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. They, they almost deny his existence, even though, you know, he is like, he's literally he who shall not be named essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So like there's this taboo on him like she builds out the world really well and you've got to give her props for that. And on top of that, she created probably the best soft magic system ever. And essentially that means a magic system that does not have universally known rules. Um, you know, it's like spell casting and, and things like that. So it's a magic system that's really fascinating and really fun to read about and learn about because a lot of the, the, uh, series is Harry learning how to use and harness the magic system that mm-hmm. other people know how to use and harness and they just kind of like bring him along and show him how to do it and you never fully know like what the consequences and the constraints are on the magic but you mm-hmm. know it's kind of like with Gandalf in Lord of the Rings where I mean you know he's powerful but you don't really know like what all he can do you know his staff oh, yeah. has magical properties to it and you know he uses it but you don't really know like yeah the specific things that go into it and Harry Potter's a lot like that and it kind of I think changed the game in terms of fantasy for soft magic because before a lot of magic like classic high fantasy and stuff like that that was popular was super stringent and spelled out and had rules and things like that and harry potter comes in and just it's ya so you wouldn't think oh, it yeah. would completely change the game but harry potter changed everything i mean as soon as it came out and just blew up the way it did everything was different mm-hmm. um it put the fantasy genre on the map it kind of put ya on the map i think Oh Before yeah. Before that, it wasn't as big of a deal, and since YA has blown up and it's got a massive audience, around there's the a lot of different book series that, like, I mean, are popular with or that are labeled under you know YA and still are popular with adults. I, I think of, yeah. I, I actually grew up with, at least in terms of the reading uh, aspect of it, I grew up more with the Percy Jackson books than mm-hmm. I did with Harry Potter. Yep. And that's like, the more the, as the older that I got, I was like. This is literally just like Greek mythology with Harry Potter. Yep. Like it's just like, oh, it's this kid. He has a crappy life. He has dark hair. Looks he just doesn't have glasses. Oh wow, there's this whole world under our real world based on the Greek gods. I'm the son of Poseidon. Yep. It's, and it's like literally like 
that's not seven books, but it's five books, and they're like, we have this. And then there's another like two spinoff series and all this crazy stuff too. Oh yeah, he he's made an entirely. Uh, he's made one based on Norse mythology. He's made one on uh, Egyptian, Egyptian mythology, yeah. and there's also a sequel series to Percy Jackson that's also ties into how like how the Roman and Greek mythology were like that one, one is the same. really good. I remember reading yeah, that and I, being like, this crap is dope. <laughs> I, re- I read the first two or three, and I was like, this is peak. Like, yeah. And uh, anyway, that Percy Jackson's a, a different total... thing. But, I mean, I don't think Percy Jackson would have happened without Harry Potter. Um, it's, I mean, it's it might have happened, like... but it probably would have not been as big as it was. Because I think a lot yeah. of – usually the way things happen, because it is the nature of humanity, is something blows up and everybody's trying to figure out how to copy it. There's like this yeah. vacuum all of a sudden where... Oh, I could tell you uh, like a, a handful of Harry Potter knockoffs. Oh, yeah. And they're never as good, but they still sell a bunch because publishers push them because they're like, okay, we have to get Harry Potter 2 and you know, people buy them, but it just never is... Yeah. It's, you cannot catch lightning in a bottle twice. And Harry Potter is like, it's not just lightning in a bottle. It's like catching lightning in a bottle three different times and then, you know, creating a fusion reactor that powers the whole world with it. Like, it's just (laughs) this, like, it will never happen again. Yeah. You can almost, it's like Jerry Rice's records in the NFL. They will never be touched. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, I, it can't be touched. Like, Game of Thrones has sold a fifth of. Yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like this thing. It's like I was telling, telling you before this um, that, like, Harry Potter grew so fast. Like, it's considered, like, I would consider it part of, like, the fandom trifecta. That being Star Wars at the top, Lord of the Rings, and then, like, not, not in, say, any specific order, but, like, they're, like, the trio. It's Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Yeah, and it's like the fact that it's like Lord of the Rings has been around for so long. Obviously, it has a massive legacy. Star Wars was made in the seventies, and then Harry Potter came out in ninety-seven. It's only twenty-three years old. Like it's not that. I mean, that may seem old to some, but like if you think about it, that's not very old. Mm -mm. And I I told you I was like the fact that out of all of those three, Harry Potter. First of all, it got an, a movie adaptation within four years, and the entire like they did all of the movies as like the books were coming out. Still, not only that, but the fact that it got a theme park mm-hmm. within thirteen years of Harry Potter existing. I think, believe the the theme park no came out twenty eleven, which is like it came out alongside like Deathly Hallows the those movies. Yep, I'm like that's insane. Star Wars didn't get a park until last year. And Lord of the Rings, the oldest one, doesn't, doesn't even have a. Have a I'm like, <laughs> it have I'm a like, that's that's insane. I'm like, the hype around that. I'm like, it got a, the book came out within four years. There was a, a movie about it. Then there was an entire movie series, and then literally like a few years later, after that, a theme park. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think there is a single thing that started as a book series that also has a theme park at this point. Like. <laughs> Like so, like yeah, that, and that's that format. Like I'm not gonna count like the Doctor Seuss Land and Universal. I'm like, <laughs> like as like I don't even like, remember I'm, that existing. Yeah, there's like a whole like uh, Seuss Land thing, which Doctor Seuss is All like right. racist and cheated on his wife. And anyway, we're not gonna talk about that. It was terrible. Uh, Let's get that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we? 
why don't we hop into some worlds we've been exploring and then we'll come back and dive into the expansions of the Harry Potter universe. Let's do it. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, so, Grayson, let's just let's just not even dilly dally. What worlds have you been exploring? So I have a Felix. I have some catching up to do. Um, I've actually, yeah, a good amount because in the past two weeks, the last episode I did, I did was that Nolan episode, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we talked about worlds we've been exploring on that episode. And I believe the week before that, uh, Seth was on. So. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. So I've got a lot. I, so I want to say the the I, I've been I'm almost done with from from a certain point of view. It's gotten really good. There was a story there that in that book made me cry, or almost made. Well, it didn't make me cry, but it made me like on the verge of tears. It was so so sad. Um, it was about uh, Princess Leia's mom and dad, and like it oh. it was like like on Alderaan. Really rough, yeah. but super emotional. Um, so almost done with that. I have like 60 pages left. I'm going to try to finish it tomorrow. Um, last week when I went on vacation, I read the four issue rise of Kylo Ren comic, which was okay. pretty good. I think honestly it could have been executed as a movie really well. And I would have liked to have seen that. Um, however, there were some points that I was like, eh, a little, like a little predictable. Like I was like, okay, he's going to, he's going to do this and it's going to like, but then he's going to hold back here. And then anyway, like it's still the worthwhile read, good, well-written story. And I think it could have been, uh, put into a movie form, honestly, for the sequel trilogy. Um, so there's that I've been playing a remake of a video game that I think deserves more love. And honestly, it could be an amazing movie. And that is Destroy All Humans, which is, if anybody doesn't know what Destroy All Humans is, it's this game that came out in 2005 that I grew up with. In, uh, I grew up with all of them. Um, yeah. Very prominent in my childhood. And basically what it is, it is a satirical, open world uh, game where you play as this alien called uh, Crypto137. He is a, like... Uh, he is a clone of all these other aliens, and it's right. set in the '50s during the the Crimson Menace Cold War era, and when little green aliens were like this huge thing. And it's basically it makes fun of that entire time period of like is like there's a there's a part in the game where you um you you can disguise yourself as a human, and there's a part where you like use your ability to like disguise yourself as the mayor and you have to like calm down the people. And like, I remember as a kid, I was so confused because like basically like these people are dying and he's like, I have to like, explain to these people. And yeah. there's a part he's like, I'll tell you what's going on here. And like the, like, this is my JFK voice. Cause ever like, apparently everybody in there sounds like JFK, which is super interesting. It takes place in 1959 and he goes, okay, I'll tell you what's going on here. Communism. <laughs> it's like, and, and I'm just sitting there like, this is so stupid. And like, yeah. crypto is like this unabashedly just crude, gray alien. And also, everybody's like, little green spaceman. He's like, I'm not green. He's like, he's gray. And okay. like, it like he's very cliche in the sense that he has like the big head and like a vaporizer and a flying saucer. But it makes fun yep. of all the tropes. Um, it's like the alien and American Dad. Yes, yes, exactly. 
and it's like i mean you're still like killing dudes like killing these dumb yep. humans that i'm like man i've never hated humanity more uh <laughs> i'm like I just, all of you guys are so stupid and i'm yeah. like i get it now <laughs> and then um anyway that whole franchise they spawned like a chain of sequels and so the first one was in 1959 which was like the prime like you know cliche time for that they did a sequel that took place 10 years after in 1969 that was awesome i remember playing that as a kid you got all these cool new weapons you're like it start off in like san francisco and i remember you end up like so the first game takes place entirely in america the second game is like the heat of like the vietnam war uh and you like run into the KGB. You fight like ninjas. You go to uh, like so you go. To, what you, is this game? Yeah. So <laughs> so you start off in San Francisco. Then you go to like London. You go to yeah. like Japan, and you fight these like these ninjas. You go to Russia and fight these like mutants. Like literally, like this place called Tunguska, which is like where like this nuclear event happened. And then okay. then you go to the moon. And fight, like, because, you know, the 60s, the space race or whatever. Um, yep. And then they had another two, which one was, like, called Big Willy Unleashed, where you're, like, literally, like, in this basically, like, Burger Boy mech suit with, like, laser beams. It was crazy. It's This game is crazy, man. And then wild. the last one was set in 1979, so very Pulp fictiony, like, mob bosses, like, Godfather. Like, all, they take fun of all, <laughs> yep. like, make fun of all the pop culture stuff. Um it's just it's this wild ride, but yeah, I've been playing the remake of that. That was way too long of a description, but it's really fun, and I would love to actually see this as like a movie adaptation. Right. Um, it's just like I love how satirical and funny it is. It's just like as an adult now, I'm like, oh man, I appreciate this even more. It's like so funny just knowing like now that I know history and I'm not like this kid like ha ha die right. people with my anal probe which you have that by the way um <laughs> you shoot this thing it goes into their butt they poop everywhere and their heads explode i'm not kidding it's awesome uh <laughs> it's great man <laughs> it's amazing that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard awesome i love it the last thing i want to mention is a movie that i finally watched because i just like i get in these like i just decided i wanted to watch it yeah a star is born i decided. oh shoot yeah holy i actually still haven't seen that movie what a freaking movie it's on hbo max yep i loved it i've seen it on there i just haven't pulled the trigger i it it blew me away like i i mean there's a lot of songs like original songs in there but my and they're really good really good they're really really good bradley like i watched oh my god yeah that guy, I mean, I, I already know he's a great actor, but like, good lord, I watched this movie and I was like, Bradley Cooper can do anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, I watched him and Lady Gaga perform one of the original songs from that movie, mm-hmm. and I was floored. Yeah, dude. When that happened, first off, I didn't know Bradley Cooper could sing that good. No, like, where did that come from? I don't know. And man. then just kind of like the chemistry, like I thought they were married. Yeah, man. The way they were singing to each other. I was like, good God. Yeah. Like, this isn't really acting. This is just like... Are they actually in love? (laughs) I I don't know. Who knows? There's like a whole theory with that whole thing. I don't... Yeah, I I don't know, man. Either way, you should totally check it out. It was... A Star is Born is like... The newest one, the 2018 version, is like the fourth rendition of a... 
like of a star is born it's coming like the first one was in like the 30s then there was one in the 50s and then there was one in the 70s and it's all the same thing it's this singer who has like he has alcohol problems he finds this girl who's like really talented he puts her on the map and she ends up kind of like rising to the ranks and he's like suffering through this depression but they fall in love it's like it's it's, mm. it's this like at this point like i feel like it's like a cinderella story type thing where it's like which i didn't yep. know it existed beforehand but it was like it's still it was really freaking good. Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, like they did, they just, they nailed it. I was like, no wonder it that like, got so critically well received. Like, yeah, I, like I didn't. I remember when it. it came out, people were like falling over each other praising it. Yeah, and I was like, Dang. I was at the same thing. I was like, this sounds dumb. Like this looks dumb. No, I knew it was gonna be good. It just seemed really sad, and so I was like, "See, like, I have to be in a mood for like I've got if Beale Street could talk sitting on my shelf right now, yeah. and I'm like, I want to watch this movie. Do you know the but ending? I know it's going to be sad. Of what? Of A Star Is Born. No. Okay. Good. I knew the ending, so I was just sitting there like, Nah, man. I protect spoilers. Just sitting there, I'm like, I'm gonna cry. I protect myself. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. Pro- you will not spoil it today. Yeah. Protect your spoiler virginity. <laughs> yeah yeah anyway watch a star is born uh that's all i have to say i know that was a lot uh that was very loaded um but uh yeah what have you been exploring well uh i haven't been as busy as you um i think on the last episode i mentioned that i had finished rewatching all of christopher nolan's movies but i'm gonna reiterate it because you get to hear it twice um, yeah no i, I heard you t- memento i heard you talking about it <laughs> i listened yeah, i finished memento finally it was insane um i saw insomnia and it was really good but it was like very non-christopher nolan yeah that's what i heard yeah it was really bizarre how um like, it was a good movie, but it just did not feel like a Christopher Nolan movie. Right. It's almost like you um, you know somebody, you grow up with them for a really long time, and you kind of learn their traits and what makes them them, you know, like they their just, individual quirks. Yeah. And then, like, it's not that they downgrade as a human being. It's like it's not like they go and become a druggie, and then they come back, and they're completely different. Like, it's like somebody made a clone and just forgot to put in those extra little <laughs> things that make them them. And like, they're still a cool human being, but they're just not them anymore. Yeah. That's what insomnia felt like. It was really bizarre. Did you like it? I did. I did enjoy it, but I almost couldn't help, but feel like, you know, dang, I wish there was more Christopher Nolan esque right. things in here. Yeah. So it was weird. Like I did not hate the movie at all. It's very good, but it just felt really weird how it wasn't a Christopher Nolan fingerprint laden yeah it was odd um i also watched the old guard um, you were talking about that one and i wanted i've been wanting to see it i just haven't pulled the trigger yet yeah you gotta see it it's okay it's okay i was i enjoyed it like i don't know if you should go in there expecting it to be a oscar winner but it was extremely enjoyable very similar to i think you compared it it's like it's not on the level of extraction but it's in that kind of same tier i liked it better than extraction as a movie. Okay. The action sequences are not as good. I don't want to see it As then. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, as a film, the 
uh, maybe the concept just was cooler to me. Like extraction was really good, and we did our second episode of the podcast on it. Yeah, man. But oh my god, yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> but um, the old guard I thought was a little bit more entertaining. Um, and then just last night, uh, well, actually, I started Jojo Rabbit, and I hadn't finished it yet because I was really tired. So I started watching a documentary and fell asleep. What doc? So I need to finish Jojo Rabbit. What documentary? Uh, Last Chance You. What? What is that? Do you know what that is? It's a documentary about JUCO football, and it kind of like follows players as they play junior college and how like junior college football is like their last shot at playing football. You lost and me when you said football. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That actually sounds pretty interesting. It's it's great. There's like five seasons of it. It's awesome. Um, and then last night I watched Twenty One Bridges. I still have. Finally. I've had that. Literally, I've had that since like. May and I still haven't watched it. It was pretty good. Really? I could uh I could read you my review of it on Letterboxd. This little teaser for everybody. Okay. Go for it. Me on Letterboxd. Said um I was pleasantly surprised. The writing hooked me in early and it pulled me through. The dialogue was extremely crisp and the story was real re- well realized. Um I think Chadwick Boseman's character was a little stereotypical, yet he had realistic motivation, so I didn't overthink it too much. I thought it was pretty solid. Tight. Um, it didn't blow me away, but definitely was pretty enjoyable. I liked kind of like some of the turns it took. And mm-hmm. um, the biggest thing that I enjoyed was that the writing, like from the very beginning, characters were kind of going back at each other in a way that I would write them. Like, for example, there's a moment when two characters uh, uh, they're thieves and they put like uh, masks over their face to cover their identity and one guy says to the other he says does it smell like your beard at all and he kind of turns and looks at him and he goes smells like your girl and I was like bro I would put that in a screenplay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's cool so it was a lot of that um, kind of like witty dialogue and just kind of like one adders one liners and people going it? at each other um, it was a dude named Ben. It was like initials were BB. Ten. Oh. I don't remember. Ben Ten. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it was produced by the Russo brothers, which I knew, but yeah. apparently somehow forgot in the process of watching it. Yeah, that's like a big staple right now. It's like produced by the Russo brothers, which was also another thing with extraction. Um, yeah. Which is are they creative producers or are they just kind of like here's some money? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think. I think. <laughs> like. I think they they help out in some capacity, like in terms of like the creative uh, process, because they're also going to be. Well, no, they're directing that new Gray Man uh, franchise, which I'm very very excited. They're about. finally actually doing something other than just like writing a check. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if that was hate, but I'm just ready to see the Russo brothers do something that's like not just like. Avengers. Avengers, yeah, because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> like I know that like that like they've made the best Avengers movie, or like the best Marvel movies, hands down. Other yep. than like um, Ant Man and the Wasp. I'm kidding. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, no, you guys are talking crap about Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp last week, and I'm like, no, they're not great. Like they're not like top tier Marvel movies, but like I can put them on and just like have a blast still. Um, they're very. I'll give you that. that's that when you guys are talking about the Scorsese thing. I was like, okay, 
Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp are like the definitive. Well, not the first Ant-Man. I think the, the first Ant-Man is very heisty. The second one, however, is very much like, yeah, this is what Goofy. this is what Martin Scorsese means when it's like a roller coaster. Where it's like I walked in, I grabbed my tub of popcorn, and I was like, ah, oh, look at little Paul Rudd walking through the school, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is still oh, fu- so, so cute, funny little to me. boy. I was yeah. crying of laughter in that part, but yeah, I will say that that's probably what he means. Whereas something like I would say Infinity War is like, or even Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like, this isn't like just, like, this has heart, you know? This actually has, like, a good arc to these characters and whatnot. So, F you, yeah. Martin Scorsese. Just kidding. Actually, really, I don't care. Anyway, anyway. we're going to move on. <laughs> Dude, that <ran laughs> that so has been uh, some of the worlds we've been exploring. Uh, we're going to jump right back into it and start talking about how Harry Potter has become global. It's like it's this worldwide plague now. Like, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting kind of tired. I was telling Uh, you before the episode that Harry Potter kind of like had this fan base of the quirky middle school white girls that were all like, Harry Potter is my astral sign and I'm a Gryffindor, by the way. And uh, if you're a Slytherin, you're going to hell. And it was just like this weird Becky thing. You're a Slytherin. I still love you. But anyway, um, (laughs) it was like this weird, like rite of passage where if you hadn't watched uh, or read Harry Potter, read, let's be honest, if you hadn't read Harry Potter in middle school and early high school, all these white girls looked down on you with their red and yellow scarves and they were like, oh, you're a, you're a troll. And it was like, you're a muggle. Right. I was like, what do you, (laughs) what's a muggle? (laughs) But it really became like. You know, we were trying to figure out why on earth it blew up. And it just kind of, it had the elements that would make it have a massive fan base. Like, they were there. And it doesn't always happen that a story that has elements that will, you know, draw a massive fan base. It doesn't always happen that those will, like, come to pass. But, you know, it just kind of happened for whatever reason. And, you know, I I don't know, like it just, it just had that weird, you know, you're pulling you're I mean, you're putting lightning in a bottle, like it just kind of blew up the way it did. And like you were saying, movies came out really soon after the books were published. And it was very easy for people to hop on because it's like, oh, this movie, this new movie looks interesting, this new Harry Potter movie. And it's like, oh, it's a book immediately as i'm sure as soon as that movie would come out I was like i can catch up on these books like real yep. quick and then obviously the first like the the first movie was a huge success i was looking at the um the list of like highest grossing movies of all time so this is these are actually not adjusted for inflation this is purely based on like actual monetary value still yep um the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first movie, uh, is still number 47 in the top 50. Right underneath it is Deathly Hallows Part 1, but Deathly Hallows Part 2 is number 13. Now, I don't have the list of, like, adjusted for inflation or anything, but, like, even then, Harry Potter, the movies were, like, they were beasts. Yeah. Yes. And it's almost exclusively... Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's almost exclusively because the books popped off the way they did. Um, I don't know. Like, okay, they brought in, speaking specifically about the movies, they brought in some heavy hitters. Like, Alfonso Cuaron directed uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh He's a, like a super well-known director. He made uh, a movie called Roma, which film people just like oogle over constantly. Um what else has Coron made? He made Children of Men, which is a movie that film people go nuts over. So, like, they brought in heavy hitters to the to do the job. Um, Warner Brothers got Daniel Radcliffe to play Harry, which was a great casting. Um, Dude, some of the best, like, child acting back in yeah. the day. And, like, they grew up with those characters. And now, I mean, you have to think, uh, there is a lot of popular actors that came from those movies, specifically with Daniel Radcliffe and... Uh, um, Emma Watson. Yeah, they yeah, were. I, I think huge about spotlight stealers. I think about uh, Daniel Radcliffe, but they also had um, the guy who was in every like every like he was in Patriot, but I can't remember the actor's name. But he played like every villain from two thousand. Jason Isaacs. Yes, Jason Isaacs. He played every villain from like two thousand four to twenty ten, maybe. Dude, um, such a good actor. So good, uh, Gary Oldman. Um, oh my God, Gary. Freaking Oldman. Like, yeah. He kills it in that series. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, they also had um, Ralph Alan Fiennes. Rickman. Ralph Fiennes. Dude, Ralph Fiennes. My God. He's so good as Voldemort. Like, you know, if I read the books before I watched the movies, which I would mm-hmm. recommend everybody do, if you're going to dive into Harry Potter, if you haven't listened... You, you have you to read the books. Yes, you have to. The books are better than the movies. That's just my opinion. Absolutely. But. I think that's kind of where that trend that trend started with I was going to get into yeah. the whole adaptations thing is like, oh, you know, that it was kind of the first thing of like the books are better than the movies, like that whole cliche thing. Potter. But anyway, and continue what you were saying about... Too, but. Yes, yeah, um, Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, Ralph Fiennes as Voldemort. Like you're reading about Voldemort in the books, and you know there's clues there, like what he would look like, what he would sound like. Like he's equated to a snake a lot. Yeah, and you know, like you kind of think, okay, like he doesn't really have like the normal facial features, but you never really figure out like what he is. Like J.K. Rowling did a great job of trying to give you a mental picture of what Voldemort would be. But mm-hmm. then Ralph Fiennes comes in and he just kind of embodied Voldemort in such a surreal way where yeah. it was like the way he was like whispering when he talked. Voldemort is such a unique villain. Yeah. He's not like this cliche, like I'm a dark wizard. Like I feel like that's more along the lines of like Grindelwald in the new fantastic beast movie where he's like, he's like, I'm a cliche dark wizard, you know? Yeah. Like Voldemort's like, like this fallen guy. chosen one. Uh, Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. He's they has some like comparisons. Like when I read it, I was like kind of similar to Vader, but not like. Mm-hmm. But his like style, like yeah, he's like he whispers and he's very like particular and kind of like he seems like he wants to be your best friend, mm-hmm. but also like he'll get his snake to eat you uh, like <laughs> at a moment's notice, right? And. Like, though, also, like, he's just weird. Like, he's just a mm-hmm. weird, like, he, the darkness has corrupted him so much to where he's just, like, like, his laugh, like, eh, 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 like that, and, like. <laughs> just, like, the like, lengths he goes to achieve his goals, though, is really impressive. Like, he parses it's, it's his crazy. soul into objects to, like, mm-hmm. 
preserve it, yeah. which is just, you know, like a lot of times villains, and we kind of talk touch on this sometimes, but like a lot of times villains are very just vanilla. They're, you know, I want to conquer the world. You're in my way. I'm going to run you over. And, you know, that's fine, I guess. But to make somebody dynamic is you got to have more than just the whole vanilla archetype. And, yeah. you know, Voldemort has elements. Like, all villains have elements of that archetype in there, but they're fleshed out. Like, you understand mm-hmm. them. And as you get further into the series, you realize Voldemort was basically Harry, you know? Like, oh, the yeah. parallel to them is distinct, and which is why he has such a fascination with him. Um, And it's just like... You know the the reason why he does what he does. Like you don't agree with it, but you, I mean, you kind of get it ish. Like he still is a little bit of the dark one stereotype, yeah. but it's like if you could flesh out the dark one stereotype, if you could give Sauron like, you know, character, and you know, if you could give him motivation and things like that, it would so be Voldemort. I want to get into that whole thing about like what I was saying earlier. Um, we had that technical glitch where I was saying how it's a big allegory for racism, um, which it's not like I don't know if it was intended to be that way, but there's a lot of similarities, very similar to like what the X Men were in Marvel comics, like mm-hmm. back in the, the 70s and stuff. But like Voldemort's pure purpose is that like he grew up as this boy who didn't realize he was like magic, and then he used like he lived in a world where all muggles all <laughs> non-magic users kind of just screwed over his entire life. Bless you, by the way. Um, (laughs) I had to finish what I was saying. Um, And so, like, naturally, he's like, I hate non-magic people. They've caused me nothing but pain in my life. I'm superior to them. They need to all go away. Or at least it needs to be strictly pure bloods. Like, if if you have integrated with the muggle society, you're just as bad as a muggle. And it's like, oh, man, like, I don't know about that one. And so there's a lot of, like, this whole thing where... You know, it's the dark wizards are basically the KKK where they're like these dudes in hoods. And if you're not a pureblood, then you, you will die. And, um, whereas like, I, I believe Harry is kind of the inverse of that because he's like, his mother was, um, and Gryffindor, like that whole house is very inclusive and you see that it's almost like it's the cast offs, but it's not the cast offs, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I remember reading that and being like, oh, wow, okay, there's a lot of stuff here with uh, with kind of like, you know, elitism and racism and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And quite literally, like, killing people based on the their blood, you yeah. know. Um, and it's purely – and it's not because Voldemort – like, Voldemort thinks he is superior to them because they have – screwed him over his entire life Mm -hmm. it's not that he's just like i'm better than them it's like he has a reason to think why he's better than them it's it's wrong but he firmly believes in that and that's what makes him a really compelling villain it's like he just becomes like this like i don't know like i'm i i would love that there's actually a french um team that is making a um a short film or something like that based on the house of gaunt which okay. is yeah, which is like the you know the his relatives that you know that come from like above Voldemort, and it looks incredible because I think that's a really interesting story that was actually cut out of the movies, um, and 
like you said, there's some incredible writing in there and just these awesome story points that you're reading and you're just like, this is so engaging. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, anyway, that was a whole kind of side tangent thing about kind of Voldemort and like him kind of being tied to like elitists and, and things like that. But yeah. And even still like Slytherin, the whole house, just a quick aside, the whole house is kind of that way. Like they're, emphasis on the pure bloods and all this like they're all from ancient wizarding families and all this stuff and i always thought it was kind of odd that they were always very accepted and yeah and, and maybe that was like i don't you know i don't i never know why I, you know thought that that was odd but i always felt it was weird that dumbledore as the headmaster was like yeah they have their place like they're kind of goofy but they're like that sibling that you don't really always get along with but at the end of the day they'll always be there for you kind of thing yeah and i was always like yeah but isn't it weird how like all of uh voldemort's henchmen are slytherin like is anybody else noticing that? yeah exactly <laughs> i would say however i will argue there are good slytherins and there are bad gryffindors peter pettigrew yeah what the was he was a gryffindor uh Horace Slughorn, um, the fat guy that has the hourglass and he's like a couch, if, if you remember him. Oh, yeah. He, he was a Slytherin. Yeah. And he's like this super nice, jovial man. Yep. Um, Wasn't Moaning and, Myrtle a uh, Slytherin as well? I can't remember. I don't, it, I don't like I'm just kind of throwing so it. I'm just throwing that on the wall. <laughs> See if it sticks. Like, I don't want to talk about her. She makes me uncomfy. <laughs> uh, she always made me uncomfortable when I was. She a kid. was, I was weird. Like, like, why are you watching Harry P? Why are you watching? Why are you doing that? Fair. I'm like, I'm, you may have died by a basilisk and you're a ghost, but like, why are you looking at little children's genitals? And why are you always crying, bro? Well, I mean, uh, it was something girl? about like she got like her heart broken by some guy yeah, and then stupid. Di- went to the bathroom it's to like cry the and then died. Crap. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's dumb. I don't know. Um, yeah, man. We're kind of we're kind of cutting close to an hour, but um, I wanted to talk like about the kind of jump into the whole recent legacy of Harry Potter, which we touched yeah. on slightly. Where I said the cursed child was ass. Um, <laughs> so basically, yep. uh, just to give you the TLDR, Harry Potter was great, uh, and I still think it's great. But J.K. Rowling has kind of taken a poo poo on the whole franchise. Um, She's also done a lot of things recently that people don't agree with as a human being. Yeah, and so she's become starting to not be liked, and which is kind of tragic. Um, It's not like a thing where it's like George Lucas, where it's like he just kind of was done with Star Wars, even though he's really not. Like he's still very on board with it. But J.K. Rowling's out here like saying like like she's using her platform to say things that. I think the majority of people probably don't agree with whether yeah. what she's saying is true or not. Like most people are just like, yeah, no, we're not dealing with this. And yeah. so it's been this weird thing where it's like people are trying to separate JK Rowling from Harry Potter. They're like, Harry Potter's great, but JK Rowling sucks. And yeah. like everything after Harry Potter, they're like, yeah, this is not good. But there's a lot of people who like, so they love the cursed child. And I'm like, yeah, no, because the biggest thing I personally I'm not I'm gonna say this. Maybe this is too preemptive of me, but I know that uh, maybe I should read it. I have the PDF on my Google Drive because I'm like maybe one day I'll read it. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, like, 
it's this kind of tacked on thing where they basically at the end of the Deathly Hallows when uh, Harry is like an adult, uh, he has an he has a kid and he's like, I know you're not going to be in Slytherin. He gets put in Slytherin and the Cursed Child, and you're like, well, <laughs> yeah. And is it, it becomes the this Cursed whole Child thing where they say that Hermione's black? That was in the play. They don't say it, but they're like they just cast a black actress. That doesn't really bother me. Okay, I don't really care. about I remember that, that being that, a big that's... deal because people were like, "Bro, she's literally a white redhead." She's not red redheaded, uh, but she's. They never say. Uh, well, there's a couple points where they do say she's white, but I'm like, it's one of those things. I'm like, it's not really intrinsic to her character. She can be black. I don't care. Anyway, yeah. the biggest thing is basically what they do is it's Harry's son. Uh, and Harry's son and Malfoy's son become like really good friends. And the father of Cedric Diggory, who is my favorite character, by the way, he's like, Harry Potter effed up, got my son killed here. Take this time turner and go back in time, uh, and mess up a bunch of stuff. Also, the main villain is Voldemort's daughter because apparently he hooked up with um, oh Bellatrix God. Lestrange and had a kid. Very Rise of Skywalker stuff it's happening. It's pretty much like Flashpoint for Harry Potter. Right, yeah, it is. That's and stupid. they go back in time and they're like doing, like they're like seeing like all the events of like, and it's like purely based on nostalgia and like Harry Potter is a total dick to his son. Yeah. And like, it's just this whole thing that I'm like, you didn't need to like it. It kind of just was one of the things that's like it ruined a perfect ending. Like I remember sitting yeah. there like closing the Deathly Hallows, uh, and I was just like, "That Great was amazing." Ending. Great. And ending. then I and then my friend told me what happened afterwards, and I was like, "Bruh, what? what? Yeah. Okay, no, sorry." And I hate to say that, I'm like because I I don't like to be one of those guys that I'm like I you know hate on something, but like. It's just the cursed child, ain't it? And then they've made the Fantastic Beast movies, which so far loved the first one. Second one, not so much. Um, I almost want to make... watch the second one because Johnny Depp's in it. But Johnny Depp's same... fantastic. He's yeah. really good in it. Um, he, I mean, he, there's nothing that he's like not good in. But he's a great Grindelwald. But the thing is, is they're making they're making it a five part movie series when it only needed to be three. You know, I would have been fine with just the one. I'll be honest. Like, Well, so the thing is, is what they're building up to is, which, so the first one was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, but yeah. because in the lore of Harry Potter, um, Newt Scamander wrote the textbook, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, let's make the movie title about that. Like, it's kind of his adventures, you know? I'm like, yep. that's really cool. But they also tie it into the the battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, yeah. which is this thing that in 1945 there was the great battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And it's like, okay, we're starting in the 20s. Yeah. And we're going all the way to 1945 with this. I'm like, I'm so, that's like, that is so drawn out. And it, like, it, it could work. Like, it'd be cool, maybe. But some of the decisions that they're making for the characters like Dumbledore are a little bit questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like, like just the the Dumbledore being gay thing. Like, oh, well, but just, this, I don't know if you know this. In the movies, he's not gay. Oh, so so to 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 fully disclose in the books, it was never stated that Dumbledore was gay. Right. What happened was J.K. Rowling wrote on Pottermore, which is the website where they she puts this extra lore. There's some really cool stuff on there. Basically, what she wrote on there was that. Uh, him and Grindelwald like hooked up when they were what? like 
kids or whatever, like when they were like teenagers. And so they're like, she was basically was like, to get some inclusivity in there, they were just like, uh, yeah, Dumbledore's gay. And it's like this thing of like, people were mad, even like people from that community were yeah, very mad. Yeah, it felt contrived. Like, yeah, it was just like, you just made him gay just to make him gay. Yeah. Like, it was like, clearly you're trying to just like, force that into, it was like, not a thing of like, oh, she didn't make any new gay characters or whatever. Like, she, she basically retconned the fact and was like, Oh, they weren't friends. They were lovers. And, it's and like, she keeps speaking out against like LGBTQ groups. And she's like all this yeah, stuff that she said she's about She's not that. getting on their good side right now. No. Yeah. Um, which is pretty tragic considering I would say a lot of people in that community adore Harry Potter. I would actually say like... That, a lot of people is, in a lot of communities adore Harry Potter. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Um and so people, like, to kind of go back to that Percy Jackson thing, people were like, Rick Riordan's over here, like, he made those characters from the very beginning. And mm-hmm. people were like, you know, and it was very seamless. It was this whole thing of, like, you didn't, I remember reading it, and, like, I remember, I was like, oh, there were gay characters in those books. I was like, yeah. I'm like, even I didn't notice that. And it was, like, a very, like, seamless thing. But it was thing. subtle. Whereas Harry Potter, yeah, exactly. It was like, he didn't make it this big deal, and then uh, yeah. J.K. Rowling's like, hello, everyone, remember Dumbledore? He He's gay. is a homosexual. And it's like, okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's not to say that I'm like, I'm not, I hope people don't think I'm saying that in like a negative way against like homosexuality or anything. I'm just saying for a fact that I'm like, J.K. Rowling is in a really rough spot right now with her writing, with the Fantastic Beast thing, with the Cursed Child, with his whole Pottermore thing. Pottermore thing. It's just like, Harry Potter, I wouldn't say is in a bad spot because people are always going to love those very similar mm-hmm. to star Wars. It's not going to be this thing where it's like, Oh, people just hate Harry Potter now, but it's kind of on this weird gray area descent thing where it's like, they really need to get their crap together. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have checked out with JK Rowling as a person. And then also everything after the initial Harry Potter series. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will never like anything that comes out from here on out because of just some of the decisions that J.K. Rowling has made. Um, Basically, you know. she ended it and she was like up here. And now it's like, yeah. meow. Like, what, what I think a lot of people see is that she just needs attention. Or uh, people say she wants attention, which I can see it. I don't know why you would want attention. She's like a one and a half billionaire or something. Like, it, she doesn't and- need it. She sold all those movies that right. they made. Good God. <laughs> right. Like, she does not need the attention. She's always going to be... Like, the the pull that J.K. Rowling has on the writing industry is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times writers will do... They'll, like, go to a theater and speak and get interviewed because people just can't get enough of... Like, they're rock stars to, you know, mm-hmm. people. And... She sells those things out like uh, she's just such a mega star. And some of the, of the things she said have not endeared her to her fans. And, you know, some of the things she's done and then the few, the work past Harry Potter has been very lackluster in general. It's kind of like I think what some people are saying is a combination of she's either a one trick pony or um 
you know, the stuff she's done afterwards is just to kind of like drum up more attention because the Harry Potter attention is dying down and she wants to sell more books and she's addicted See, to sales. You know what the easy fix is, man? Give me a book series about the Marauders, about James Potter, about Lupin, about yeah. Sirius Black, with Snape in there, with, with Lily in there, and with Peter Pettigrew. Give me that. Because I adore those characters, and I would love to see their years growing up. Yeah. Um, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I want to see this duel, like this this battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Like it's gonna be sick. But like that's when I read Harry Potter, I'm like, man, all of my favorite characters are the mentor figures for mm-hmm. Harry. Yeah. Uh, specifically Sirius and Lupin, and yep. even Snape to an extent. I think they're all very, like, um very deep, complex characters that people adore. I have Sirius Black's wand on my shelf, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, And she's just kind of like, I don't, I just don't think, I don't know if she's just like done with it. She just like kind of doesn't care anymore. Or if like, she just doesn't know what to do. Um, And that's entirely possible. Like she could just be creatively spent on the world of Harry Potter. And she wrote how many books in 10 years? Right. Seven books. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that, a lot. that happens a lot. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what to equate it to. Like I'm, I'm blanking at the moment, but that happens a lot where you've written a bunch in one world. It's like, okay, it's time to move on. The problem is she's not moving on. Um, I mean, you said she, uh, she wrote mystery novels under a pseudonym, but yes, it's not, I don't know. Like, Maybe I feel weird about pseudonyms, but I'm like, you know, just claim your own work. Um, I I don't. I, it feels separated from you if you're writing under a pen name. Yeah. And Rob, Robert Galbraith. Yeah, which is a. It, she wrote under a male name. Um, it's like she's separating that work from herself from her work as a fantasy author, which yeah. I think is kind of odd. I know it's kind of a thing that people do, but. I don't know. It seems like she's not moving on, which is kind of sad and a little bit of a depressing winding down to this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. All that to say, like, um, I want to make it clear, by the way, that, I, that if for anybody who thinks that people are hating on J.K. Rowling because she made Dumbledore gay, is like, that's not the whole thing. The fact is, like, like basically the implications of the story and like her kind of like haphazardly just trying to like appease people and then make like making these kind of cruddy stories like and there's yeah. always going to be the people who like they will love every piece of Harry Potter content and not critique it at all but there's also people who are like they want the best out of the writing and stuff and so she's like retconning a lot of things and basically getting on a lot of uh people's bad side yeah. um and justifiably so i would say um but all that to say, Harry Potter still isn't going around, going away anytime soon. He's um, not, and it's always going to be this kind of tentpole fantasy world. Yeah. Um, the cultural significance of it is huge. We've got uh, eight movies of the core franchise, with another two Fantastic Beast movies. We've got seven books, um, a theme park, like all these other spinoff books. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of Harry Potter to go around um, because it's such a massive world, and um, I don't know why. But the first thing that like I'm like, I'm like the biggest impact it had was in the office when he talked when Prison Mike says the worst bad part about prison, 
the Dementors. <laughs> I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my head, but... It froze. Did you hear me? No. <laughs> okay, well... Just redo it. I'll Don't cut worry it about it. Hold on, you're still kind of lagging. Is it better? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna close this out of the episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that being said, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Rising Action Podcast. I'm glad to be back with Josh, uh, the OG duo. We will be we will. Uh, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we're gonna try to figure that out because. I'm starting school soon, uh, and I got to figure out my scheduling, and that's going to be rough, buddy. Um, but yeah, um, reiterate where they can find everything. At, oh, actually, before I, before I say that, um, you can find me on the Comic Blast podcast, which Josh frequently appears on, um, and will continue to frequently appear on, um, and that is. Comic Blast podcast on pretty much wherever you're listening to this to should be on there. Yep. Um, and you can also find that uh, at in, or on Instagram and Twitter at Comic Blast underscore. Um, and I feel like Rising Action kind of spawned off of Comic Blast. So if you're more interested into very other deeper nerdy kind of things, you should uh, you should totally go check that out. But anyway, Josh, uh, anything else that we need to add on there that you want to reiterate or whatever? Yeah, so, you know, find us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a, a review and a rating. That means a lot to us. Uh, follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore. And if you feel like following me on social media, I'm at joshjohnson98 on Instagram at josh underscore j98 on Twitter and Letterboxd. Fantastic. I'm at tradesther8 on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. And with that being said, you're, you're a, a wizard, wizard Harry. Harry. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> 